So first and foremost, I think the the addition of pant leggings is really when you start to see your heroes get watered down. Can't even muster the ability to play straight pants that one. Uh, which is a good argument for absolute rulers. Everybody is going to get behind me. They're going to love me, and my support numbers will go through. When you hang out with the hero, it doesn't go well for you. My grandfather yeah. took the cop and just slid it right through the bar. Okay. And that became the dominant way our family did it. Okay. And so, <laughs> in both of my marriages, they were treated to that. Okay, wait, hold on. Yeah, rage haiku. How do you imagine the rubber chicken plant? My grandmother actually vacuumed in her pearls. Oh my god, it all makes sense. We've had the sexual revolution. It yeah. might have just been a Canadian standoff. We're gonna go back to 9 11. Dude, get over it. Mm-hmm. Nobody understands what the building is supposed to be. Agra has no <laughs> business being that thick. <laughs> when the cultists win, we all win. Good life. Um, <laughs> That's yeah, a good I'm life. Doing, I'm, you know, doing doing what? My car is in the shop because I got rear-ended last week on the freeway. Okay. But, uh, yeah, I, I was fortunate to walk away with only the bumper on my car suffering any damage. Do you think maybe rate naming it the Razor Crest was a bad move now? Maybe. <laughs> maybe. You know, okay, you know what? Look, it didn't get blown. Spoilers. It didn't get blown up from orbit. So I'm okay. Okay. Like, okay. Like, yeah. Um, Hell of a bar you got there. And, and, you know, unlike, <laughs> unlike it's, it's namesake. Um, I, I don't have to have it basically completely rebuilt. Right. From scrap. This time. Every six yeah. weeks. Yeah. True. You okay. know. Um, so yeah, this time maybe, <laughs> okay. maybe I need to rethink that, but yeah. Yeah, it might not have been the greatest decision. No. Okay. But you know what? No. I'm sticking with it. Okay. Yeah, hey. It, you know. Uh, how about you? Uh, my name's Damien Harmony. I'm a Latin teacher up here in Northern California. By the time of this recording, I may be on summer break. I don't know. Uh, but having said that, um, yeah, I, I have not gotten any car accidents. Uh, I am Six days of instruction I got left. Nice, nice. Uh, we have 10 days left of instruction, I think. Okay. And on top of that, and maybe more. I, I don't do math okay, well. All right. um, okay, all right. But uh, we, we don't have that many days left of instruction, so of course our district is looking to cram more kids in there. Like, yeah. One thing kids need is lots and lots of change all the time. I think Constantly. That, yeah. Yeah, let's not give them any kind of like ground under their feet yeah don't don't let them get complacent no when we talk about we want our kids to be ground under the feet what we mean is that we want to ground them under our feet yeah yeah Yeah, we don't we don't we don't want them grounded we want them ground as i said to somebody the syllables as i said somebody uh in a uh, uh social media post today um i understand if uh you're exhausted and don't want to answer me on this one um it has been a long week uh, since March of 2020. 
<laughs> so. Yeah. Yeah, it really. Has. I I did get uh, hate mail uh, again uh, oh, at work, yeah. oh, <laughs> which was God. great. Yeah. Um. It was uh, hey fa- fuckface. How come you haven't responded yet? Yeah. Like <laughs> I want to know. Like, you know, first so off, fun. first off, um, for once, for once, the insult he chose to use. Mm-hmm. I assume he. Uh, for once, the insult the insult this individual chose to use wasn't misapplying a a term that like has a meaning that you're using wrong. Right. Like, like, you know, uh, calling somebody a communist when like you're bringing up, you're bringing this up in, in, as a non sequitur, whether somebody's a communist or not has nothing to do with what you're pissed off with him about. Right. You know, um, and, and all of the other stupid shit they've, they've tried to insult you with. (laughs) My favorite was that my parents had sex with, bolshevik zoo animals before having me yeah like do like it was a training course i don't number one (laughs) number one do you know what bolshevik even means like right number one number two you do understand that bolshevism is an ideology not a genetic trait Mm -hmm. which you're like trying to insinuate sexual preference or or for that matter yes good point i hadn't even considered it Mm -hmm. from that angle like and and I, I don't understand. I mean, I, I, I get that you're just trying to go for shock value with the insult, but mm-hmm. I don't like epistemologically. I don't understand what that's supposed to fucking mean. Like, yeah. like how does yeah. that work? But no, this guy was this, was this Bolshevik zoo animals who no different. Okay. Person. Okay. Yeah. All right. But so, so this guy, this guy sent you an email that was basically just, you know, fuck you. Commie. Right. You just don't want to. Oh yeah, now I remember. The original was just you just don't, you want, just to don't want to go back to work. Right. Like like we haven't been working our asses off. Yeah. But anyway, whatever. Ignorant of how we do our job, whatever. So so now like what two weeks later? Yeah, about that. Yeah. He he comes back and is like, "What? You're not going to respond?" To like at this point, I would be tempted to actually email back to him saying, "To what?" Like, yeah, like what? what I, I don't. I'm just I'm I, not going to use my work email him, to do yeah, that. Well, yeah, but no, yeah, I know. I know. But like, I, I kind of want to say to him, how did you think this was going to go? Right. Like you, you went off in a, on, on, on Facebook uh-huh. on a guy who was just could not read the room and was getting himself buried by like everybody. Um, and, and you said to him, OK, no, I think I understand what the problem is. I'll tell you what. I'll help you come. So imagine a liberal crying and begging you to stop. Yes. Like, I think that's what this guy wants. Yes. And like, he somehow thought (laughs) that you were going to give that to him Mm -hmm. by like, no. Yeah. Do you not? You clearly have not thought this through. Like, this is the point at which it's if guardians of the galaxy wore MAGA hats. Yes, it really is. It really is. You know, I I know I've I know I've said this in in very early episodes of the podcast talking about uh, David Attenborough Mm -hmm. was once asked, you know, in in, in all of these situations you've gotten in when you've been filming, you know, documentaries and stuff for the BBC, you know, he he shared anecdotes where, you know, he was filming in countries where there was, you know, an active civil war going on. And, you know, he and his very, you know, all of the Brits film crew getting surrounded by, you know, guys with AK-47s. 
And he said, well, you know, my response in all of those situations was I just got very British all of a sudden. And I said, right, right okay, right, look, mm-hmm. you head over that way. What we're trying to do is we're filming this thing and you just go there. And he just slipped into the character of, of right. you know. And it's like, I read this guy saying this to you and I immediately wanted to just get very academic. Like, <laughs> you I can. Just wanna, I just, just... want to look at him like, yeah. okay, no, I really want it. Like, I'm genuinely curious. How did you think this was going to go? Yeah. And just, and wait to see what that opens up. Can you, can you please like, like correct it? Like it's a paper. Yeah. I see your thesis statement. It's strong. Um, <laughs> however, I see no supporting details. Yeah. I, I need to know where your paper is going to go with this. Yeah. And so I, I do think that we need to rework this thesis statement a little bit, but I also do want to see evidence the yeah, next you, time you only, come in. You've only got, you've only got one clause for the thesis here. Yeah. So you need to expand on that a little bit with some, with some related kind of, kind of thematic issues. And I really need to see some supporting documentation. Yep. Like give me a bibliography or, or like something you know, just, just your notes at this Hell, point. I'd even something. accept having a treatise off with these people, you know? Yeah. Just, yeah. Like, you know. So but, anyway, uh, so yeah. anyway, last night, uh, last time we talked about uh, the 1997 Survivor Series and the Montreal Screwjob. Yes. So Which uh, is I think the most intensely meta sporting event <laughs> in history. Oh, very much so. Very much so. Yeah. So given that the 97 Survivor Series saw the Montreal Screwjob, 1998 would be absolutely going in reference to it. Okay, so Survivor Series happens every year in November, has since 1987, which had one of the best Survivor Series. So the Survivor Series used to be, it was a gimmick, it was a gimmick uh, pay-per-view, okay? And what it was, was um, they were elimination matches. Okay. Five guys on either side, and you wrestle, and, you know, you eliminate the opponents, right? Yeah. These are long matches. Uh, there were only four or five matches in the first Survivor Series. Uh, they were oh, all wow. elimination. Yeah. Okay. And and the best match was the first one, uh, and it was because it was Macho Man Savage and his team versus Honky Tonk Man and his team. But the thing was, Honky Tonk. Yes. Okay. Oh God, that was my little brother Bowie's favorite guy for a little while. Really? Yeah. I mean, he was super young in 1987. Okay. All right. So, uh, I mean, you were probably what? Like, had your first job? Um, Fuck you. <laughs> but the honky tonk man, I know that George 12, was driving was at that 12. point. Okay. George yeah, well, was yeah. actually driving, producer yeah. George. Um, but the honky tonk man had his team. And what was cool about it was there was enough time for each pairing of guys. And you could tag out to someone else, no big deal. But they genuinely told stories through the entire match. It was great. Um, and, you know, then they, they had an all-women's uh, one, and they had the Jumping Bomb Angels, which was amazing. They were way ahead of their time. They had a 20-man battle royal, or not battle royal, 20-man elimination match for tag teams. Holy crap. Oh, it was nuts. Um, one of my favorite moments came a couple years later at another one of those things, where uh, I think I've talked about Tully Blanchard in the past, um, and he comes in. And sees the guy across the ring from him and just walks over to another guy and tags out. And he got the most heat for that. It was <laughs> so good. So good. Oh, my God. Tully Blanchard is a master, master craftsman. 
So uh, by the time you get to 1997, you don't have elimination matches anymore. Uh, those had gone away by 95, maybe 96. Okay. Um, and so now it's just, it's another pay-per-view. Okay. It's a tentpole pay-per-view. There's something called the Big Four. There's WrestleMania, yeah. SummerSlam, okay. uh, Survivor Series, and the Royal Rumble. Okay. So, yeah. so WrestleMania yep. is spring. spring, March, usually, maybe early April. Okay, and then SummerSlam, duh. August. All right, yeah. Okay. And then Survivor Series. Survivor Series. That's in November. November. It originally was on Thanksgivings. Oh. And it was done to compete with WCW, NWA at the time, uh, Georgia Championship Wrestling. Basically, Vince McMahon said if you don't put Survivor Series on your closed circuit instead of that one, you don't get to have WrestleMania next year. Oh shit! Yeah, so it was hardball. Yeah. All right. So okay, and, and then, then and then Royal Rumble is which is January. January. Yeah. Okay. So they're kind of squeezed together, but yeah, yeah. I was gonna say at the end that's, that's and and by this point you have twelve pay per views a year anyway. Okay. Yeah. Right, you got basically one every month. Exactly. But these are the tent pole ones. These are the big ones. These are the okay. ones where major feuds get blown off. Okay. Okay. All right. A blow-off, by the way, is, uh, to, to give you an idea, a blow-off is where it finally culminates. Yeah, it's the denouement. Yeah. So, uh, the 98 uh, Survivor Series is definitely going to be in reference to the 97 Montreal Screwjob. Well, because how could it not be Right. When, when all of the meta that was involved... Yes. Yeah. Okay. Now, at this point, Stone Cold Steve Austin had been sticking it to his boss on camera in one way or another since WrestleMania in the most not in the ring, we, ring ways that he could. OK, uh, one time he drove a Zamboni to the ring to d- disrupt Vince McMahon's plans. A different wrestler uh, had come to the fore and fallen back. Uh, but Austin kind of was constant and he had just been fired on camera for refusing to count a pinfall as a referee. And then he was reinstated by Vince McMahon's son, Shane, who then himself was demoted to referee. Okay. Survivor series was turned into a tournament to crown a champion. Uh, and the rock at the time who is known as the people's champion. Yes. Had been a face for a little while and he had drawn the ire of Vince McMahon. Since Vince okay. McMahon hates the people, I guess I hate the people's champion. Okay. Meanwhile, Mankind yes. had undergone another change, becoming a damaged bootlicker. So he uh, is Stone Cold Steve Austin's first real opponent after WrestleMania. Okay. Okay. And uh, he... Uh, oh, man. he's It's, it's interesting. Um, he had been Cactus Jack... Yeah, and then the very next night after WrestleMania 14, um, he's in a chain, he's in a steel cage match against the New Age Outlaws, who had used the rules to subvert the victory that Cactus Jack and Mankind had gotten over them at in the dumpster match because they okay. won that. Wait, yeah, Mankind was Cactus Jack though. Yes. Okay, you said. Cactus oh, I'm sorry. Jack. Uh, Cactus Jack and Chainsaw Charlie, Chainsaw who's also Charlie. known as okay. Terry. Okay. Okay. So. Uh, Hunter Hearst Helmsley comes out, cuts a wonderful promo in, this is March of 97, cuts a wonderful promo on Shawn Michaels, said, you dropped the ball. 
Uh, and you know what? Uh, when when things get bad for Degeneration X, we go back to our friends. And he brings out X Pac, uh, used to be known as the One Two Three Kid, uh, then is known as uh, Six Pack over in WCW, and then comes over to WWF as X Pac. Okay. Uh, and then they recruit the New Age Outlaws to be part of Degeneration X by attacking. Uh, Chainsaw Charlie and uh, Cactus Jack. Now you might remember Cactus Jack and Terry Funk had been attacked by outside tag team uh, in ECW when there were a whole bunch of chairs involved. Yes. So this wow. is wow. Okay. Yeah. All right. So this is like, oh hey, we did this thing. Yeah. Yeah. Let's right, do it here. Is, we can do this here. So that right. gets over Degeneration X. Everybody's cheering for DX, but at the same time, really mad at DX for hurting these two guys. And because of that confusion, they start chanting Steve Austin's name. Wow. Because at least that gives them some hope. Okay. The next week, Mick Foley, uh, he's Cactus Jack, uh, he comes out and cuts a promo on the crowd. And it's so now he's attacking the crowd and telling them i gave you people every goddamn bit of energy that i had he comes out he's got a neck brace um and he says you know terry funk is laid up um and you know you people don't deserve cactus jack it's gonna be a long time before you see cactus jack again and uh at that point uh jim ross kind of goes overboard says wow it feels like cactus jack's feeling sorry for himself and it's like motherfucker you called the action last week you saw what happened he's got a legit grievance here um, but what he was doing was he was turning himself heel so that he could feud with Stone Cold Steve Austin. But he's a feeling sorry for himself heel. Oh, okay. All he's right. a desperate and sad heel. He's a heel that wants love. And so he turns into Dude Love. Which was a character that Mick Foley had created and filmed back when he was in college and hitchhiking oh, okay. to wrestling. Yeah. All right. So again, art is imitating, imitating life. life. So then Mick Foley becomes Dude Love, and Dude Love feuds with uh, with uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin. And doesn't get the job done. Vince McMahon's really pissed at him, uh, and eventually uh, Mick Foley um, gets a makeover. Um, now Mick Foley's famous for missing teeth. Yeah. Okay. I don't remember. Oh, he he lost his teeth in a car accident on the way to a wedding, actually. To oh, his wow. brother's wedding. Okay. It wasn't in the ring. He lost his ear in the ring in Germany. <laughs> <sighs> He's quite the battle-scarred warrior. Oh, boy, yeah. Jeez, um, but right. but uh, he lost his teeth outside of the ring, actually. Yeah. But uh, it just added to his character and stuff like that. Well, it's not like he didn't have a set of teeth made. Yeah. You know, false set. Um, so... He straightens his hair, wears a shirt and tie, uh, wears a suit and tie rather, and he gets his, you know, his teeth. And he comes out the next week, and everybody's just booing the shit out of him because he looks like he sold out. He's like, "No, I'm, I'm, I'm a corporate guy. I'm." And so now he's a bad guy, bootlicker kind, right? Nice. Well, he does such a bad job of that that eventually Vince McMahon uh, is just like, you know, you need to prove yourself and all this kind of stuff. So mankind has undergone a lot of changes in his feuds with Steve Austin during 1997 in leading into the summer. Um, so, but he is the person that Vince McMahon is favoring because, hey, this guy is a syncophant to me. He, Mick plays such a great job of it. So Vince McMahon awards Mankind the Hardcore Championship. 
Okay. More on that in a moment because it's symbolically quite interesting. And when he gives it to him, it's kind of just to placate him and just like, well, let's just give him this and, you know, it's, okay. it's not a big deal. But then, you know, Mick's like, you know, and he's like, you know, I've, I've always kind of considered you a son, you know, and, and here you go. And he's like, thanks, dad. <laughs> and the look on Vince's face is just utter disgust and like, like also like, oh, this is going to be real uncomfortable, you know? <laughs> so, so he gives him the hardcore championship and then, uh, he gets a buy, if I recall in the tournament. Um, and so he gets to go to the match with Stone Cold Steve Austin in the semifinals of the Survivor Series, uh, elimination mat, uh, tournament for the thing. Now, Austin had a much tougher road in that particular series. Austin had to uh, fight the big boss man who hit him with a nightstick just to wound him for the next match. So he got disqualified. But so the story is Austin overcoming everything, right? And big boss yeah, man just yeah. wallops him with a nightstick. Eventually, Austin prevails against mankind um, and is winning against mankind. I think Austin had to wrestle the big boss man twice or the big boss man was entered twice. I forget. Um Austin is winning against ma uh, Mankind, and remember, Shane McMahon is a referee, and he happens to be the referee for this match, and he brought Stone Cold Steve Austin back. Right. Right? So yeah. he's counting it. One, two, and then he stops and gives Stone Cold the double finger salute. Wow. Twists and turns, right? And then he counts Mankind as the victor. Uh, this means that Mankind, the chosen one, goes on to the final match, and The Rock has had to deal with interference from the big boss man the entire night. Oh, wow. Okay. Okay, so The Rock is battered and bloodied. Now, the match between The Rock and Mankind goes all over the place, taking as much place out of the ring as in the ring, and even championship matches don't continue to be in the ring. Right? Yeah. So we're, they just don't fit. They we, hadn't we fit now, for a we while. We have now completely morphed into the ECW model yes. of how the spectacle works. To the point where it's it's kind of like, okay, here's where they're going to go up the ramp. What are they going to yeah. do there? Yeah, what yeah. piece of the furniture are they going to use? The This this match is no exception to that uh, development that's been happening. The only time that being in the ring mattered was toward the end because you still got to win in the ring. When The Rock puts Mankind in Bret Hart's finishing move and then gives the camera the people's eyebrow and you see a repeat of the Montreal Screwjob. Okay, wait. Yeah. Okay, wait, wait. Okay. Yep, yep. So Rock walked away with the belt. Yes. Okay. In a, in a tableau uh -huh. that was clearly... Yes. Okay. Yes. And Stations of the Cross level. Yes. Okay. Yeah. This is like uh, going to that, that Jesus fun theme park in Orlando and watching <laughs> the crucifixion three yeah. times three times in a day. Yeah. Yeah. So okay. I, I would just point out that it was Mankind who was the chosen one to go on there. Yeah. And The Rock pulls a Montreal screw job on him and Vince McMahon is there and The Rock hugs him and McMahon crows about swerving everyone and double-crossing mankind. 
Wow. Now, this instantly makes Mankind a babyface in the process. And what's interesting here now is Mankind has been wrestling in a suit and tie. So now, a lot of the pictures you probably see of Mankind are him wearing, like, a dress shirt that's all tattered and battered. And maybe a tie, maybe not. But, you know, sweats and whatnot. This is where that starts. So now Mankind is a babyface. And The Rock is a heel. Okay. So the people's champion has now become has a bad gone, guy. Has gone, has gone corporate. Now, so just derivative upon derivative upon, upon you know. Deri- yeah, okay. Now the hardcore title. Eventually, Mankind would lose said title, and it ends up somewhere in the bottom mid-card as kind of a comedy bit. And wrestlers would specifically wrestle hardcore matches for it. So hardcore matches are matches where you can bring anything into the into the fight. Okay. Hit people with cookie sheets that are under the ring, which I've never understood, um, or stop signs that you find somewhere, or whatever. And it or also a kayak or a kayak. Uh, that's right. Um, I'm still getting over that. <laughs> and these hardcore matches are now codified. Okay. So the chaos that we saw in ECW has been has now become ritual. Yeah, and sanitized and kind of rocky horror picture showy. Yeah. And now the wrestlers are wrestling in not wrestling matches for this not wrestling title in a wrestling show and these are wrestlers and during pay-per-views they would find their way over to a nearby bar or maybe the rain river of the city or a nearby forest. They got out of the building. Wow. And it's codified. And then they instituted the 24-7 rule, which means that the hardcore title was up for grabs at all times, making it a backstage segment almost all the time. So now it's not even a match. It's a sneak up on a guy and find some way to ambush him. And then you're the champion and you run off. And that's that's a filler segment. And then we'll maybe have a hardcore championship match at the next pay-per-view to open or. Oh, okay. Now, the belt itself was a broken reference to the original belt. It was literally shattered and held together by duct tape. (laughs) And and to give you an idea of this belt. And again, this is the hardcore championship belt. This is where wrestling is going in 1998, 1999. To give you an idea, there were women who held this belt. Now, there's a women's championship, but women held this belt. Blurring lines. Okay. Okay. Again, you know, this is not too far from... I mean, honestly, by 98, 99, you might have the first graduate from Citadel. Yeah. You know, uh, women held the title. A prostitute held the title. Okay. Well, because there was a pro wrestler called the Godfather, and he uh, had something called the Ho Train, um, because he was a pimp, um, and he would, um, you remember how like Ted DiBiase, the Million Dollar Man, would like buy his opponents off sometimes? Yeah. Normally, he'd beat the shit out of them, then stuff a hundred dollars down in their throat. Well, the Godfather would be like, "Okay, we could fight, or you could take a ride on the Ho Train." Really? Yeah, dude, it was the 90s, and like blackface was still being regularly used to mock certain athletes. Oh, Oh, wow. yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, whew. So. Holy. Wow. Yeah. All right. 
So, yeah, a prostitute held it. The shortest title reign for the, the Hardcore Championship was roughly five seconds. <laughs> you, you remember Pat Patterson and Gerald Briscoe? Yeah. They had an evening gown match for the title. The The point of an evening gown match is to strip someone of their evening gown so it's just their bra and panties. Oh, oh okay. They had an evening gown match for it. Wow. On a pay-per-view. Jamie Christmas. Yeah. That belt was the WWF's attempt to replicate and then control the chaos that ECW had created. And it became comedy. It was an emblem of instability born from the broken pieces of a championship belt, which had stood for tradition and excellence. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Heavy, heavy symbolism. Yes. Now, just a little prior to this, finishing in mid-August of 1998, there was a storyline between Val Venus, spelled V-E-N-I-S, who was a porn star. Uh, Yeah, of course. uh, And a group called Kayentai, which was a bunch of short Japanese wrestlers who had an older gentleman who was in charge of them, an older Japanese fellow who had a very young, hot Japanese wife. Now, the the storyline between Val Venus was, you know, he was a sex fiend, right? So, you know, he'd get him to the ring and he'd be like, hello, ladies. And he'd do some stupid fucking tired-ass pun. Um, I'm saying this. Yeah, um, that means something. But, you know, he'd be like, you know, the big Valboski, he'd call himself the big Valboski, of course, uh, you know, would like to meet you, you know, uh, either sometime between Christmas, if your left leg is Christmas and your right leg is New Year's, I'd love to meet you between the holidays. I mean, like that level of like... Wow, contrived, fuck, I, feeble. What yeah, very even, feeble. What are you even doing? Right, okay. like did... Yeah. Who, who's writing this shit? Because yeah, you, you could come up with something creative. Yeah. So he seduces um, Kayentai's boss's wife. And I can't remember her name all of a sudden, but he seduces her. And of course they have sex. And of course he films it because he's a porn star. And I forget exactly what he titles it, but that's the thing. Every time he conquests a woman uh, who's tied, who's a valet of somebody, uh, he 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 titles it something punny, like uh, Ken Shamrock's sister named uh, Ryan Shamrock. So he he seduced her, and they performed a film called Saving Ryan's Privates. Of course, of course, because that's. Yeah, Ugh. yeah, it, okay. uh, yeah, yep, that Tired happened, and, and yeah, uh, but, but right. he was very popular, like, he was a low mid Carter, but he was pretty popular for this, um, and, uh, oh, th- her name was, uh, Mrs. Yamaguchi, okay, okay, and, and the, the leader of the faction's name was Yamaguchi-san, and she was the sister of Takamichi Noku, who, by the way, is part of a traditional Japanese family of wrestlers, so like sumo? No, no, no. Like oh, pro wrestling. Okay. Okay. Puro Resu. Yeah. Okay. Puro Resu. Um, but uh anyway, so Valvina seduces her. Um now Mr. Yam uh Mr. Ya- Yamaguchi san wants revenge. Um Kai and Tai kidnap Valvinus, and to close Raw one week, um, in mid August, uh they have him tied up to a, a pipe naked 
and Mrs. Yamaguchi is watching, and, and Yamaguchi-san is holding her and blaming her for it, and they're taking a katana, and you see them swipe down, and so it's a castration scene. Wow. And that closes Raw. Which is on Monday night. Yep. Not Saturday morning. No, no, then because then there we're responsible. Then, yeah. then we got to be, because, you know, parental discretion yeah. on Monday night. Now, after that, Kai and Tai, anytime they reference Val Venus, they say, choppy, choppy. <laughs> so the next week, you think it's bad. The next week, Val Venus comes out to the ring accompanied by John Wayne Bobbitt. For those of you that don't you, know, you, 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 no. John Wayne Bobbitt got his penis severed by his wife, whom he had abused for years, yes. Lorena Bobbitt. She severed his penis, and I think what captured everybody's imagination was the fact that he was asleep when it happened, and he woke up long after the fact, because he was so knockout drunk, um, and she drove off still holding the penis, because she was in a state of shock and panic. Yeah. And then she and threw it in a field. Flung it, flung it out the car window. And then they had to have dogs to go find it, which, of course, leads you to all kinds of good God, jokes. Oh, my Lord. So he's got... And John yeah. Wayne Bobbitt had it reattached via surgery, which which, which is good. Which is you pretty know. remarkable when you think about the, yes. the level of, of medical advancement involved yes. in having that get reattached and be functional. Functional. Functional yeah. to the point where he started a porn career. Yeah. Yes. Now, it's a bit of a gimmick porn career, but it's a porn career nonetheless. Yeah. Um, and by Frank the way, yeah, yeah. Frank and, the, yeah, know, yeah. Frank and something Weenie, like, something, yeah, like that. something like that. Yeah. Now, by the way, when you have a finger that gets cut off and they can reattach that, they use leeches. Yeah. So I'm hoping. Because <laughs> uh, he deserved I, it. Yeah. It, yes. Yeah. Based on, based on what we what we know. So he shows up the very next week with John Wayne Bobbitt. Yes, and he said he explains what happened, um, and he says, "Luckily, the big Valboski was saved by it being cold out, and there was just a little bit of shrinkage, so it missed." Uh, this is taking up television time. Okay, yeah. Now, in September, so that's August of ninety-eight. Uh, ninety-eight, yeah, ninety-eight. Uh, in September of 98, now this is leading up to the Survivor Series. In September of 98, Val Venus gets into a program with Dustin Runnels, who used to be known as Gold Dust. Okay. Who also is known as Dustin Rhodes. Yes. In WCW, right? So the son of Dusty Rhodes. Yes. A traditionalist, a second generation guy. He really makes his bones as Gold Dust, the one who's pushing all the limits. You you may remember from yes. previous episodes. yes, yes. Well, he ends up stopping being uh, gold dust, partly because um, he and Marlena actually get a divorce, a real-life divorce. Oh. And so then, of course, life influences art. Um, so Val Venus gets into a program with Dustin Runnels, and Dustin Runnels is now running a born-again Christian gimmick. So he's a heel. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Because he doesn't want anybody to have any fun, you know, and oh, he wants yeah, any yeah. any Tim Tebow's, like, you know. Oh, okay, yeah. Well in advance of Tim Tebow. So Val Venus gets into a program because he sleeps with Dustin's real life divorcing him wife, complete with her claiming a pregnancy by Val, eventually claiming a miscarriage, and then... You've talked about that miscarriage before. Yes, and then no turns out... 
No, that was, that was the Lita. Different, yeah, a different miscarriage. Yes. My God, they've used that more than once as a fucking plot line. You, you have said that with demonic possessions at Days of Our Lives, yes? Yeah. Okay. okay. So, but, and then it turns out she was lying and she was never pregnant at all. I don't know. I don't know if that's worse. Yeah, I don't know. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So you have like. Jeez. August and September, that's kind of like taking okay. up the upper mid card. The that's, non the non Stone Cold Steve that, Austin. Yeah. That is taking okay. a lot of it, yeah. Now the Royal Rumble since nineteen ninety three had been what determined the challenger for the title at that year's WrestleMania. Okay. Okay. Royal Rumble is a battle royal in reverse. So a battle royal, you start with twenty guys or thirty guys in a ring, and the last one standing wins. This one, you start with two guys in the ring, and every two minutes you add another guy, and then of course you're throwing people over the top rope, right? So it's pretty cool because then okay. you, you get into who's going to come out next, what storyline is going to advance here, and also the winner of this gets to go on to WrestleMania for the championship. It's pretty cool. Now okay. by in the late 90s, it became a tool for advancing storyline, okay? And it, it did so by taking the action out of the ring, which is really weird considering the whole point the is... The whole to, gimmick is you're adding more people into the ring. As people are getting thrown out of the ring. Right. Like, again, you and I are draw number one and two, right? We right. wrestle for two minutes. Now, if you're lucky, you can throw me out, right? But if you're not, we wrestle for two minutes. A third guy comes in and joins into the fray. And if nobody can get a guy out, a fourth guy comes yeah, in. Yeah, well, yeah. even if you throw the other two people out, a fourth guy's <clears throat> going to come out two minutes yeah, later. Yeah. And it's just every two minutes. Uh, and it's not every two minutes. It's it's called Royal Rumble time. Um, you know, like, they, they, they're just like, okay, go. <laughs> Yeah. And you t tend to send a guy out there with instructions, you know, and be like, okay, make sure you tell this guy that he needs to throw the next guy out and blah, 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 blah. Uh, but, uh, by the way, it's a Pat Patterson creation. It's very brilliant. It's, it's one of my favorite types of matches. But the thing is, by the late 90s, it is about advancing storylines. And uh, the action for the thing where you're supposed to stay in the ring bounces out of the ring. Uh, but you have to throw them over the top rope. So if you go under the middle ropes, then you're not technically out. So you can come uh, back. Okay. So you can have all kinds of shenanigans. Yeah. The audience on the right. But now you're fucking with rules, right? You're, you're. Yeah. Yeah. So Vince McMahon made it. So Stone Cold Steve Austin was number one in the Royal Rumble. Shawn Michaels at this point, he is not in the ring. He is a commissioner. Uh, he said, okay, but Vince McMahon is number two, which means Stone Cold's going to get two minutes with him. Well, immediately, uh, Vince McMahon runs out of the ring, so immediately Stone Cold Steve Austin chases him, uh, having gone out of the ring. Neither one went over the top, therefore neither one got eliminated. Now, this is 99. Um, yeah, 90. Mm, let's see, 98. No, this is 99. Okay. Because Austin, yeah, yeah. Because Austin doesn't have the belt. So Austin's going to win the Royal Rumble, then he's going to go to Mania, and then he's going to get the belt back, goddammit, you know. So Austin chases McMahon from the ring. Uh, neither is eliminated. They end up in the women's bathroom where McMahon has set up a ambush with his retinue, and they attack Austin, and Austin is hospitalized. Oh, wow. So he gets gurneyed, and he's hospitalized. Now, all of this happened while the match was still going on, but the camera was focused on Austin being loaded into the uh, hospital or loaded into the uh, ambulance. Thank you. I was going to say the sick wagon because German. Um, <laughs> so, so again, our 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 attention is not in the ring. The very place 
that is the centerpiece for all the action is no longer germane to the action that's going on within it. Now, McMahon went to do commentary at ringside. He didn't get back in the ring. Mabel was eliminated. Uh, Mabel was a 500-pound, 6'8", black man with a white mohawk. He was eliminated and then put into a hearse outside of the venue. Again, more focus on that than what's in the ring. Uh, And the reason for that is because as they're loading him into the hearse, because The Undertaker is doing the corporate ministry thing, um, as, as they're loading him into the hearse, guess who comes driving back in an ambulance that he is now commandeered? Wait. Okay, hold on. Yeah. Back up. Sure. Back. back sure. Back sure. The hearse up. Yeah. <laughs> so he got he got loaded into an ambulance on a gurney. Yes. But he has somehow managed to get a fourth wind. Yes. To get to commandeer. Yep. The ambulance. Yep. To drive back. Yes. Okay. So he took himself to the ring to finish the Royal Rumble, and he eliminates everybody eventually. And then he looks to McMahon, who's doing commentary, and he stalks McMahon. Austin throws him into the crowd, because why would you go in the ring? Yeah. So the match is still going on. Now there's nobody in the fucking ring. Not like we paid attention to anybody in the ring the whole time anyway, but But, now there's nobody in the ring. the ring ring is blatantly empty. Yes. It's a blank canvas. Literally. Literally. Yes. Okay. So uh, Austin throws him into the crowd. Then he go- throws him back out of the crowd. And he eventually throws him in the ring. And then he gets distracted by The Rock. And then Vince McMahon throws Austin out and wins the Royal Rumble. Which means Austin is not going to WrestleMania uh, to fight the champion. And Vince McMahon technically has that ticket. The boss won. Yes. Now this is January of 1999. The boss won. The guy who was sticking it to the boss lost. And it was obvious that the real action outside of the ring superseded anything happening where the rules are being followed. Well, this sounds to me like a southern plot line. Doesn't it, though? Except the southern plot line almost always had the actual promoter as the good guy. Okay. Which is itself a really special kind of bootlicking. <laughs> Now, I bring all of this up because it does remind me of something else. See, in December of 1998, Bill Clinton got impeached. Oh. The House had brought up charges that Clinton had lied about his sexual activities with specifically one intern. He was 49 and she was, I think, 22. Yeah. Which makes him a goddamn dirtbag and all of America focused on her for some reason because we're shitty people. Um, But... The impeachment was really an effort that was driven by Republicans starting as far back as 1994 when they got into office trying to find a way to remove a legally elected Democrat president from office. Yes. Kenneth Starr, who replaced Bob Fisk, was appointed by Janet Reno as an independent counsel to investigate Whitewater. Now, again, I'm going to bring this up, just tell you the timelines again. Uh, Val Venus, choppy choppy, August of 98. Val Venus knocks up Marlena and turns out she's lying. You can't trust that woman. September 1998. November, boss double crosses the everyman and has co-opted the people's champion. Is that November or is that January? That's November. January, the boss overthrows overthrows the one guy who's been able to stand against him. 
Wow. So, Whitewater was essentially an investigation into real estate investments in which the Clintons had invested and lost money along with Susan and Jim McDougal. The Madison Guarantee Savings and Loan Association, also owned by the McDougals, had failed at a time when the Keating Five were just a few years away from being rebuked. Um, so you can imagine people would rather be vigilant about another SNL failure being tied to a public official. Okay, yeah. Laura Jean Lewis was just such a person, and she dug deep into uh, finding connections to the Clintons, naming them to the FBI in a criminal referral as a witness to what had happened with the failures of Whitewater. See, if you fail at an investment, that could mean tax breaks and stuff like that. It could be oh, a way of okay. laundering yeah, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, the FBI didn't think the referral had enough merit and never pursued. She continued from 1992 to 1994 to continue submit referrals, which then became public knowledge. Now, in November of 1993, David Hale, a former judge and a banker in Arkansas, claimed that Clinton pressured him into loaning Susan McDougal $300,000 illegally. The problem with this allegation was that in 1989, during the original FBI investigation, he had not named either Clinton in his testimony, and he only did so once he was indicted. The McDougals were found guilty of fraud and conspiracy, and Clinton's successor as governor, Jim Guy Tucker, was sentenced to four years of probation in his part for the whole thing. Bill and Hillary Clinton were never prosecuted, as three different investigations couldn't link them criminally to what had happened. Two of three of those investigations, two of those three investigations, were led by Kenneth Starr. So, is he Slick Willie? Quite possibly. Or is this people witch hunting? Quite possibly. Yes. Um, what I do know is that Vince McMahon overthrew Stone Cold Steve Austin in January of 1999. And that Val Venus had an affair with Mrs. Yamaguchi and then with Marlena. Now, Starr continued this uh, and the impeachment that surrounded Lewinsky and Clinton's power dynamic laden affair with her seemed to stem from his inability to link the Clintons to the Whitewater scandal. Yeah. So he can't link them. So now he's going to go after uh, the the fact that a creepy ass 49 year old uh, used his power in his position. Thank to you. Manipulate. And, con- and, and yeah. Yeah. It, uh, in Sweden, I think it's called like rape by rape by power dynamic or something, something like, like that. that yeah um so yeah uh i don't even want to say seduce you know no so an executive is too slick to be able to get caught in the public zeitgeist and certainly that's the story that the media seizes upon when it's brought up and in 1998 kenneth Starr, with a lot of republican support was going after clinton about his affair with an intern a lot of this stemmed to a paula jones sexual harassment uh suit against clinton which was initially filed in 1994 Mm-hmm. When he for when he had been governor of Arkansas, now, remember yeah. sexual harassment was pretty new. Uh, yeah. It wasn't. Uh, I think it was ninety one, and uh, Anita Hill was given a little bit of time in front of Congress, but none of the other women were because then uh, President Pro Tem of the Senate uh, Joe Biden uh, went off on on the women and sided with uh, and apologized to and sided with uh, Clarence Thomas. Yeah. So, uh, let's see. That takes us to Paula Jones, right? Yes. Um, Now, he tried to claim that he was immune. This is Clinton. Tried to claim that he was immune to civil suits while he was in office. Now, that claim worked its way through the courts until 1997 when the Supreme Court said, oh, hell no. 
Because mm. back then there were people interested in jurisprudence, not in taking not money from a group hacks. that they then spoke in front of and then not recusing themselves from a decision which might outlaw abortion. Scalia? Well, I mean, he's he was an asshole, but like he would recuse himself from shit. No, I'm talking about... Uh, Kavanaugh? No. No, what's her name? Um, the the one that they snuck in there at the oh, last, oh, last uh, moment. Yeah. Barrett? Yeah. Yeah. Comey Barrett. Yeah, there yeah. you go. There you go. Yeah, she she literally took money yeah, and spoke I, in front yeah, of the I was group just, that's I was trying to remember which part of that. Which anyway. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So in early summer of 1997, the pretrial discovery process started for that civil suit, the Paula Jones civil suit. Right. So a sitting president is being sued civilly for something that he did while he was governor. Um, so the reason why Lewinsky was included was twofold. First, she'd been telling her friend Linda Tripp about her affair with the president and Linda Tripp was leaking this information secretly to Paula Jones's attorney. Secondly, Jones's attorney was trying to establish that Clinton had a history of such behavior with women and that would be material to the case. Now, after Lewinsky got added to the list of witnesses in the Jones case, Clinton began trying to conceal his relationship with her. He encouraged her to file a false affidavit, to use cover stories and hide gifts that he'd given her, and to try to find her a good job as a favor for her silence. These are all things that he did do. This is all according to the Star Report. Now, this is crooked, yes. This is uh, slimy, yes. Uh, In January of 1998, Clinton denied his sexual affair with Lewinsky. I have never had sexual Sexual relations relations with that woman. Now, it's really interesting to parse those words. I did not have sexual relations, which you could start, well, what is sex? And you remember people... Well, and he wound up... He did not do himself any favors by saying, well... You, you have to get into what the definition of is. You is. know, I, I looked into that, and he actually had some standing on that, though. Okay. He really, like, there was uh, there was a stump to step on for that. Okay. It wasn't just a splinter. But you're right. I mean, it still sounds, it, it, it plays it, badly. It played horribly. But what I also like is that he said, with that woman, that woman. That woman. Not, not this woman. Not, not, yeah. not any of these other ones. Uh, yeah, that that, that woman, woman. Specifically denying that, that woman, Miss Lewinsky. So again, he's naming her and he's, oh, yeah. he's being yeah. very parsimonious. He is a lawyer. Now, a few months later, he admitted to oral sex with her and that it was wrong. And in August of 1998. Right. Mid-August, 98. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So the Jones case gets thrown out because it was 1998. Women claiming sexual harassment by powerful men did not really get taken seriously. Clinton settled with Jones in November of 98, by the way, for $850,000. This also meant that he didn't have to admit any wrongdoing in November of 1998. Yes. I, I get yeah. where you're pointing the timeline here. Now, then it gets wild. Bob Livingston replaces Newt Gingrich as Speaker of the House in January 3rd of 1999. Okay. Because Gingrich, who had two years before been hit with an ethics reprimand for violating federal tax laws and using funds inappropriately to get reelected, had resigned from Congress. Yeah. He found a book deal. Of course he did. Yeah. But then Bob Livingston resigned from Congress because he'd been unfaithful to his wife, and he said to Clinton that he should do the same. Okay. Clinton said no and actually urged Bob Livingston to reconsider his resignation, which makes Clinton look like the reasonable one. Okay. So... 
This yeah. is January of nineteen ninety nine. Yeah, and okay, so when So when, the guy that was always sticking it to the corporate boss yeah. is gone. Yeah. I remember how that whole thing, the the, the end result of of that whole saga uh wound up getting getting uh satirized. Oh, is this on, on the on SNL? SNL. Yes. Yeah. What yeah. the hell happened? <laughs> <laughs> so good. Oh, it's so good. Not, this is not celebratory beer. Right. <laughs> this is contemplative beer. <laughs> I remember this that. Pabst Blue Ribbon. Yes. You know. Yes. And, and, oh, it's so know, good. My once and future girlfriend, Monica Lewinsky. Right. You know, and, and the thing is that that whole chain of events. Mm-hmm has become this this totemic like moses on the mountaintop <laughs> moment in yeah. our in our political discourse yep because that that is i think the moment that republican irrational teeth gnashing hair pulling hatred was given full of, face <laughs> was 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 given was given was crystallized yes into the hardened thing that gave birth to the Tea Party. Yeah, and and at the same time, mm-hmm. um, I think moderate Democrats spent the next I don't know how many years talking about. Well, you know, it was a blowjob, and yeah. you tried to crucify him for it. Meanwhile, look at what your guy is doing. Yeah. Meanwhile progressives feminists intersectionalists and everybody were like um can y'all centrists kind of stop being so shitty about this yes like you know because because just that skit that we both remember so yep, clearly yep. the attitude displayed toward bill clinton yes the attitude displayed toward monica Lewinsky. And his and and Clinton's relationship with Hillary Clinton mm-hmm. was such a relic of an era we are not living in anymore. Well, and what I find especially interesting with what you just said is, um, I think I, I genuinely think that they used uh, the impeachment wrongly. It, it was a political tool oh, on yeah. their part, yeah. and what it did was it it made it so that nobody had the balls. Uh, or the ovaries to impeach George H or George W. Bush for absolutely lying to get us into another war. Yeah, and he should have been impeached for that. It, those those are impeachable offenses. Yeah. Uh, and um, the the centrists were running the show, uh, and they refused to do it because then it would look like a revenge impeachment. And it's yeah. like. And that's that's what I hate about what happens so often is that the 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 people who are in the wrong suck the air out of the room for doing the right thing. Yeah. So that when you need to do the right thing to stop them, you don't. So, by the way, tons of Republicans who'd voted for impeachment had their affairs exposed. Oh yeah. No, Larry Flint was, big, was, was paying deal. bounties. Oh yeah, Larry. Larry. <laughs> yeah. Now Bill Clinton was impeached on December nineteenth. 1998 by the House of Representatives. It had been a bit delayed due to a bombing of Iraq. (laughs) (sighs) 
But they impeached him on two separate counts of perjury, one count of obstruction of justice and one count of abuse of power. Uh, of those, one count of perjury and one count of obstruction of justice went ahead into the Senate. Clinton beat those charges on February 9th, 1999. But nobody thought that he'd actually get a two-thirds majority to impeach him anyway. So now how about that Royal Rumble where the guy in charge thwarts the good guy? Yeah. Look what that's pulling on. Now, speaking of all that sex, the mid to late 1990s got really sexy really fast. Okay. Starting with Sonny. Oh, yeah. In 1995. Yep. She became the most downloaded woman in AOL of 1996. Really? Mm Mm-hmm. And remember, to download pictures back then... Took time. Took patience. Like, yeah. Yeah. She brought a sexiness and flirtatiousness to the WWF, and this was at a time when USA did something called Up All Night. Uh, so lots and lots of Sunny, lots and lots of sexiness, and she managed... If you're looking up a picture of Sunny, look her up from 95, not now, because she's in jail now, and, and oh, her life has been hard. Um, so many of these people's lives have been hard. Yeah, it's, it's, it's yeah. almost like this business rides people hard and puts them up wet. Yeah. So she managed a lot of tag teams. She even managed LOD 2000 in 1998. By the way, I told you last time, uh, if you put new in front of your name, it's a kiss of death. Yeah. It's Putting a, 2000 at the idea. end of your name is also a bad idea. Yes. So she was pushed out of the WWF, some say due to a fight with the next woman who is coming up in the WWF, Sable. Oh, okay. And now the era of the valet is in full swing. Now, Sable was a very 1990s hot, Pam Anderson style. Yeah, yeah. Um, And and I'm just going to say I would have downloaded images of (laughs) Tammy. Uh, yeah. Oh, back, she's back she's in 96, such so. a cuteness to her. Yeah. And such a I own you-ness to her eyes. Yeah. So but the era of the valet is in full swing. Uh, Sable's wearing lots of pleather. She's got huge breasts. She's got long curled blonde hair. Uh, oh, and she was also on the cover of Playboy in April of 1999. I vaguely remember that. Yep. Now, this was WWF, so there's lots of control over that, lots of production value, and lots of corralling of the sexuality. They pushed it, don't get me wrong, but it was nothing like ECW. So I'm going to give you a list of the valets of ECW. Now, remember, ECW is Philly-based. Right. It doesn't have nearly the production value. Right. So it's going to get grimy. Oh. Oh, Okay. We'll start with... Not just sordid, but grimy. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's a choice of adjective that kind of has me a little scared. You should be. Okay. Uh, So Beulah Beulah McGillicuddy was a valet who was billed as being from the pages of Penthouse Magazine because, in fact, she had been in Penthouse. Oh, okay. Dawn Marie uh, debuted with ECW in 1998. Uh, Now, she debuted as Tammy Lynn Bitch. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah. Now, this is because it was a play on the real name of Sonny, Tammy Lynn Stitch. Stitch. Okay. okay. Or it's actually just Sitch, I think. Sitch, yeah. yeah. Uh, who had come back to ECW after getting pushed out of WWF. Angelica, and then later called Miss Congeniality. Now, she was only in ECW for five months in 1999 before moving on to WWF and becoming Lita. Oh, Wow. Okay, if a name you, that has yeah. been mentioned already a couple of times. And do a okay. side-by-side of those, and you can see that WWF has a lot of production value. <laughs> um, just, yeah. just again, grimy. Like, like ECW had her as kind of grimy. Um, okay. Francine was another staple of ECW, 
and Francine would often wrestle men. Uh, Kimona Wanalea. <laughs> I did that so much on purpose. Oh, oh for our listeners, Ed I'm... is drinking Calistoga water, and I waited. I waited. That would have been painful. Ah, I was hopeful. I was so hopeful. <laughs> now that was that was her name, Kimona Wanalea. She is credited with the, one of the very first lesbian angles in wrestling, making out with Beulah. Okay, I, I yeah, yeah. You talk about Beulah wrestling with men. I was like, wait, yep. Okay, hold on. It's oh, but Beulah is hot though, and okay. yeah, but she's she is vicious. I mean, she's Philly hot. Okay. So. <laughs> <laughs> so it's probably the best way to put it. Uh, oh, they also had Chastity. No, was, they didn't. Yes, they did. They no. She's an actual no. porn actress. There's a woman uh, named Woman. She was one of the first valets in ECW. Uh, her story is really tragic because she then goes on as Woman in WCW. Uh, is married to uh, Kevin Sullivan. Uh, who was the head booker, who then gets into a feud with Chris Benoit, where Chris Benoit steals woman away from him, um, which actually then happens in real life. And then Chris Benoit is actually married to woman, and that uh, that was actually his wife. Wow. Yeah, and they get... Okay. Yeah, and you know ben, what happens there. Ben, yeah. Yeah. Uh, Jasmine St. Clair, an actual porn star from the 90s. Totally did not recognize that name. No, not at all. Totally did not recognize that name. Yeah. Now, there were about four others, but as you can see, ECW was okay. doing it first very, and just less dressed up. Very Philly. All yes. right. Yeah. Okay. Now, by the late 1990s, WCW was trying to do the same. They'd been using the Nitro Girls as warm-up dancing troupe for, for years. Now, again... Uh, kind of cheerleading. Yeah. Team, and, you know, and, yeah. and the idea behind them was... You got to keep the crowd hot uh, yeah. between matches for commercial breaks. That's when they would come out. And when you come back from commercial, they're finishing up their dance for the last 10 seconds. So you get to see them. Okay. And they become a real kind of favorite uh, on the show. And it was, it was pretty neat, actually. I, I, I liked it. Uh, it just added a little bit of something. Yeah. Um, they were very cute. Well, you could kind of pick your favorites. Didn't, didn't have a lot of sizzle. No, they didn't. So and so that that added a little bit of it of, did of that production value that they so desperately desperately needed. And it was still better than the ECW. But remember, ECW used the women in storylines, so one would say actually ECW might be more empowering. But it's also like it just well, it's, it's so it's more empowering, but it's grimy. In such a sleazy way. Yeah, yeah, that's a good way to put it. Whereas yeah. WCW was very much southern, very much like you know what was Atlanta? You know, you yeah. had the, the Hawks and the, yeah, the cheerleaders. Look, look at look at the pretty girls. Now let's get back to the now sports. Let's get back yeah, to the sports. Yeah. So so once Vince Russo got into WCW, uh, they started uh, getting used to having valets, uh, and they started using the. The Nitro Girls as valets, and then they started using them as wrestlers, and it was awful because these are <laughs> women who don't know how to wrestle. They're not trained as wrestlers. At least ECW had women who had been trained as wrestlers. These are dancers who are then thrust into storylines, and they're supposed to wrestle, and it's just catfighty bullshit. And it's, I mean, it's the laziest writing. It's, it's Vince Russo. He's garbage. Um, <laughs> Kimberly had been the head and the creator of the Nitro Girls, and she was Diamond Dallas Page's wife. Um, and she had already been in Playboy as early as 1994, 
But there wasn't much national attention paid to it, and there wasn't much marketing because WCW tends to be more conservative. Uh, but uh, and they weren't the WWF. But by 1999, she had been worked into sex storylines, um, like to the point where uh, she and Ric Flair went to uh, a hotel and had sex 14 times. And then that tired him out enough so Diamond Dallas Page could attack him. It just, it was so dumb writing. It was terrible. Okay. So, so yeah, what WCW couldn't do in production. The wrestling version of a honey trap. Yeah. So, what they couldn't do in production, they tried to do in volume. Uh, here's a brief list of the women who are using sex based storylines from 1998 uh, going forward Stacey Keebler. At that time, she was known as Miss Hancock. Chastity came to work for WCW. Uh, Tammy Lynn Sitch came to work for WCW. Tigress. Paisley, who later would then go on to be known as Charmel, and she married producer George's wife's favorite wrestler, Booker T. Tylene Buck, who is now a cam girl, and Medeja, uh, who just, I mean, look her up, and it just it's, it's as though someone described on paper what they thought a 1990s hot woman should look like, but okay. the artist wasn't that good. Okay. So it looks just like a parody. Now, here at in WWF at King of the Ring in June, I'm rewinding a bit of June of 1998. Jerry Lawler broke down pretty clearly during a match between the New Midnight Express and the New Age Outlaws. What was going on? This was the first pay per view where Mick Foley had gotten thrown off the Hell in the Cell. Okay. And then got thrown through the cage onto the mat and then onto a bunch of thumbtacks. So, again. All hell is breaking loose. You have a cage that's supposed to contain the action and in and around working. the ring. Right. He finally gets go- thrown through the cage into the ring. Ugh. All hell's breaking Ow. loose. Ow. Windows 98 just got released. <laughs> <laughs> a plague has been visited upon yeah. humanity. Yeah. Uh, and Jerry Lawler says this. He says... Even I like these guys. It's one of those kinds of things. They're like Beavis and Butthead. They're like South Park. They're offensive, but hey, that's what's happening today. They're in. They're hip. They're with it. And you're lost out there somewhere in this generation gap, so you wouldn't understand, JR. But kids today, that's their way of thinking. They love these guys because they say what's on their mind. They go around and tell people what they really feel. Everybody would like to be able to do that, but sometimes at school, sometimes at work, you can't do that. These guys, DX, will do it for you. Lawler goes on to say, See, and the cool thing about DX is they don't really care if anybody likes them or not. They're just being themselves, and that's why people like them. Okay. So there you go. Now, I think the next episode is going to kind of be the epilogue to all of this. Okay. Um, but that's what's happening in the nineties and look at what happened to politics at the same time. I'm not saying one caused the other, but they certainly were reflective of each other. I well, would funhouse mirror. Reflection yes. of What was going on in, in, in the national subconscious. Yeah. I would say it's a grotesque representation yes. of it. Now the next episode will be the last episode on this. Okay. And it's about to get really sad. <laughs> Ooh. Yeah. Okay. So uh, it's it's basically it's what I call the two epilogues. Um. So. Uh. All right. Uh. Do you have anything that you've gleaned from this? Um. 
Not yet. Okay. I I want to reserve any any kind of that part of the conversation until after the next episode. Okay. Uh, because we're we're in kind of a transitional moment. Yeah. Here, what I'm what I'm curious about. So there was the the new generation, mm-hmm. the Attitude Era, mm-hmm. and and I assume Stone Cold Steve Austin is the banner bearer for the attitude era yes okay degeneration x in many ways was okay um but steve austin was what was drawing everybody in but as far as what attitude meant i guess there were two sides of attitude there was the fun side and there was the fuck you side okay so just like in the 90s there was um the the fun south park aspect of things yeah but also there was the fuck you anti-hero aspect of things okay yeah all right that makes sense so then, and so, so this, this is the point where we have Stone Cold and mm-hmm. The Rock. Yes. In, in proximity to each other, chronologically. Yeah, so actually. There, there's overlap there. So, you know, that 99 Royal Rumble was to determine the, you know, the, the person who would be fighting against the champion. Well, the champion yeah. was The Rock. Okay. I forget exactly how Austin did it, but he ended up becoming the number one contender. Okay. Uh, I think it was because Linda McMahon stepped in okay. and empowered him to be the number one contender. Um, and so Austin and The Rock was WrestleMania 15. Okay. And then they were also WrestleMania 17. And then they were also WrestleMania 19. Really? Yeah. They they every other year did. They basically did like the the San Francisco Giants did. Okay. Um, for World Series for a little while there. All right. Um, but Austin and The Rock were constantly there. There were, they were uh, two poles going at it every time. Um, and yeah, they were the main event each time. Okay. So now at what point, where in that chronology Mm -hmm. would you say the rock Mm -hmm. transitioned from being WWE's creature Mm -hmm. to being the, the juggernaut within our media landscape? Oh, okay. So he goes away from the WWF. Actually, at that time, I think it was WWE. Um, but he goes away from them uh, around WrestleMania 16 or shortly okay. thereafter. I forget exactly when, but he goes away for a while. He comes back, and that's when they end up ginning up for the WrestleMania night. I'm sorry. He goes away after WrestleMania 18. Okay. Um, where he wrestles Hulk Hogan in the Toronto Sky Dome. And Hogan is supposed to be the heel, and The Rock is supposed to be the face, and they listen to the crowd and switch. Really? Yeah. Now, that's outside of the 90s, so it's outside of my purview of this, but it is quite an interesting thing, and hats off to The Rock for reading the crowd and Hogan for reading the crowd. Um, Toronto's always been a weird city as far as uh, faces and heels go anyway. Um, But so then shortly after that, I want to say like summer of that, he goes away to film The Scorpion King. Oh, right. Or okay. or maybe he was filming other things. I forget. Um, but you, he he beats Austin, spoiler alert, in WrestleMania 19. Um, it's the only time he wins against Austin, um, which is ultimately one of Austin's last matches, um, yeah. his last big one. Uh, but he beats Austin in, in 19. He goes away to Hollywood, and he really starts building his brand there. He comes back for 20. Uh, to team with Mick Foley for the Rock and Sock Connection. Um, 
and uh oh it's oh <laughs> so much fun mick foley's so good but uh because by this point mick foley is using uh mr socko yeah. uh to yeah. to attack people so it's the rock and sock um but uh he that's 20 i think he's pretty much gone by then and he's full hollywood until about 27 or 28 okay. um and by the time it's 27 or 28 he's a goddamn superstar yeah um so i don't remember the first movie that really truly made him the superstar that he was like where it's like oh oh right yeah um but maybe i can find that between episodes but um it was so we're talking the early 2000s okay uh by 2005 2006 okay okay uh that's when he really fully transitions okay yeah so cool yeah uh so got anything for people to read or watch um i'm going to recommend what am i going to recommend i didn't plan this out ahead of time this time (laughs) so i'm at a little bit of a loss um i'm going to recommend very strongly uh watching um wandavision if you haven't done it already oh yeah and even if you have um i would say go back uh and do that again Mm -hmm. because it's it's worth it and the when we're talking about postmodernism, the the device of a fully constructed sitcom reality that is actually being broadcast as a sitcom yes from from within the the sphere of influence of wanda maximoff's burgeoning you know reality warping powers i i don't think enough has been said about the symbolism of okay no wait i've picked up a carrier wave signal that is actually broadcasting yeah this reality i like that you said the deconstructed because the whole point of it is to deconstruct it is, that for it her. is it is a massive yeah. deconstruction on so many levels and and it is it is peak well no it is not peak postmodernism no you have proven to me beyond <laughs> a shadow of a doubt that the toronto screw job is peak postmodernism montreal montreal sorry montreal screw job it's Canada, whatever. <laughs> um, so yeah, that's okay. that's my my recommendation. Okay, is, is gonna be take a look at Wandavision and really look at it with a with a uh, with an investigative eye toward the the levels to which it gets meta. Because there's there's the obvious level, and then there's four or five other ones beyond that. Oh yeah, oh so. yeah. Uh, How about okay. you? Well, uh, you know, I have a bit of a correction. It wasn't Ed. It wasn't Ed the Strangler Lewis. I've I've found recent uh, literature that says it's Evan the Strangler Lewis. Oh okay. But I'm finding contradictory evidence there. So. If you're interested in looking up Ed or Evan the Strangler Lewis, uh, I'm pretty sure that's the same damn guy. Okay. Uh, so Good to know. yeah. Now, as far as what I'm going to recommend, it's called Sisterhood of the Squared Circle. It's the history and rise of women's wrestling by Pat Laprade um, and Dan Murphy. Um, if it's, uh, I, I heard him interview. I heard Pat Laprade uh, interviewed, and and he did a really good amount of research. 
um, on on those wrestlers. Um, yeah, I think it's been uh, another reprint. Okay. Uh, you know, so um, and the other thing I would recommend is Lipstick and Dynamite, which is a documentary on women's wrestling, um, and it's really really good. Um, so those would be the things that I would recommend. Okay. Uh, I might find another women's wrestling book to recommend for the next one because there's another one tickling in the back of my brain, but I can't remember who wrote it. Okay. So, uh, yeah. Hey, where can people find you on the uh, social medias? I could be found on Twitter as E.H. Blaylock. I could be found on TikTok and Instagram as Mr. Blaylock. Uh, and where can they find you if they need to, you know, uh, point out a, a an error you have probably not made, but you know where can they find you? To yeah, do that? sure. To correct me on uh, Yamaguchi San or something like that. Yeah. Um, you can find me uh, at Da Harmony on the Insta and the Twitter. Um, you can also find me uh, every Tuesday uh, night on Twitch.tv forward slash Capital Puns, or every Friday afternoon on Twitch.tv forward slash uh, iMac Pun. Uh, I also have a YouTube channel that is uh, called Marvel Strike Force uh, Excelsior Gaming or Excelsior Gaming Marvel Strike Force. You'll find it. Um, I feel like there's something I'm missing, but that's okay. Um, that's, that's more than more. enough. Yeah, that's that's more that's, than enough. That's that's plenty you got going on. Yep, yeah. So anyway, uh, where can they find us? By the way, collectively, yes, we can be found uh, on Twitter as Geek History Time. And so, for a geek history of time, I'm Ed Blaylock. And I'm Damien Harmony. And until next time, woo!